Mental health and the law are uncomfortable bedfellows. The law likes to see things in black and white, while mental health tends to be a spectrum made up of shades of grey. How do we know when someone is sick enough to not be responsible for a crime? This question became central in the 2015 trial of a child who was just 15 when he snapped and killed his mother with a sledgehammer. He did it unquestionably, but was he legally responsible? This is Murder of Crows. Zachary Davis was just 15 years old when he killed his sleeping mother with up to 15 blows to the head from a sledgehammer in 2012. But what was the background to such a horrific and callous act? To find out, we need to look at the childhood uh, of a killer who was still a child himself. And while it may offend some people, I have to get this out of the way. My early impressions in looking into this case and watching interrogations were that Davis looks like the kid from King of the Hill, but sounds like Michael Clark Duncan from the Green Mile. And I think it's that juxtaposition that has stayed with me. I'll be showing some interrogation footage later in the video so you can decide for yourself. Zachary Davis was born on the 27th of July 1997 to Melanie and Chris Davis. They already had a one-year-old son called Josh meaning Zachary had an older brother. The early years in Zachary's life were seemingly unremarkable, though he was seen to be a very, very reserved and quiet child. Then when he was just nine years old, his father died of amyotrophic lateral sclerosis or ALS also known as Lou Gehrig's disease and this seemed to send Davis further into himself where his already fragile mental health seemed to crumble around him. 
He was seen by a psychiatrist after his father's passing and it was noted there was certainly evidence of a mental defect. After his father's death, the family moved from Kentucky to Hendersonville, uh, a city not far from Nashville in Tennessee. He would present as detached and distant with grief compounding his ongoing mental struggles. A former classmate said he would walk aimlessly and just sit and stare at nothing. He would always wear the same hoodie, even on hot days. Clearly, this was a kid struggling with his mental health. His mother and brother were, in relative terms, normal. His mother was very active and took part in triathlons, while his brother played high school football. So it would appear that home life would have been, to all extents and purposes, normal. But when Davis spoke of hearing the voice of his father, the concerns began to strengthen. Concern turned to alarm when Davis said that he had been sexually abused by his brother. This has never been corroborated in any way, which is why, uh, probably why his mother gave little weight to the claims. She could not have known, but in dismissing the claims so readily, she was signing her own death warrant. Whether the claims were true, or indeed if these alleged assaults were true to Zachary, seems secondary to the fact that his mother did not believe him. In his sickened and unwell mind, to him this was effectively betrayal. He already had difficulty relating to others, indicating a lack of empathy and little regard for consequences. But bearing in mind what would happen later, it begs the question of how sick is too sick when it comes to the commission of violent crimes. On August 10th, 2012, Melanie Davis took 16-year-old Josh and 15-year-old Zachary to the movies, returning in the early evening. There were no indications of the horror that was to come later that night. Davis put together something of a survival kit in a backpack which included clothes, a toothbrush, notebooks and a ski mask. Then at around 9pm when his mother was either asleep or on the verge of sleep, Zachary went into her bedroom with a sledgehammer and hit her in the head about 15 times. He said after the fact that he used a sledgehammer 
because he didn't want to miss and he wanted to be sure that she was dead. Then absolutely covered in his mother's blood, he left his mother's room, locking the door behind him, and went to the family game room and drenched it with petrol and whiskey and set fire to it before leaving the room and closing the door behind him. Davis then fled the family home, leaving his brother to burn to death uh, along with the body of his mother. Now, fortunately, Davis's action in closing the door to the games room starved the growing fire of oxygen and it was petering out, but not before the smoke alarms had been triggered. This woke Josh Davis, who immediately jumped into action. Finding his mother's door locked and worried about immediate risk from the fire, Josh kicked the door in and was, wet, uh, was met with an overwhelmingly horrific sight. His mother's brutally beaten body. Unable to fully grasp what he was seeing and still worried about the smoke alarm continuing to sound, Josh ran to a neighbor's house to sound the alarm. Soon after, law enforcement arrived and Zachary could still not be located. After a search of the local area, Davis was found some five hours later walking along a two-lane road around five miles from his home on Long Hollow Pike. Zachary was said to be completely emotionless and readily confessed to the crime, apparently with a malevolent smirk on his face. He also spoke of laughing while he was killing his mother, but not really knowing what was funny. Here is some of the interrogation footage and just note the difference between his face and his voice. I want to go ahead and apologize about what happened tonight. Yeah, sure. Okay. If you do, just as I can, what I want to do is make sure you understand that this is a waiver right? So you're waiving your rights. What I'd like to do is make sure you can read and write, if you would, read that last paragraph out loud. I've read this statement of my rights and understand what my rights are. You've never been in trouble, No, sir. So, uh, no, no trouble in school, nothing like that? No, sir. I understand that your father had passed away. Yes, sir. How did he pass away? He died from Eric's disease. Pretty rough on you, wasn't it? No, sir. You didn't bother you? No, sir. I saw his therapist shortly after the um, what was that about? Just, 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 um, who, who wanted to see a therapist? My mother. She did. Okay, so there was just a couple, a couple times is all you saw. How long ago was that? Uh, yeah, that one ago.
12 times. Um, where, where did you hit her at on her body? Around her uh, Okay, was she sleeping at the time? Or? Yes, sir. Okay, did she wake up and say anything to you? No, sir. I put my fingers on her neck to try to pull. She made sure she was dead. Did you touch her anywhere else? No, sir. Have you thought about touching her anywhere else? No, sir. When you left, um, what was your plans at that point? I haven't stopped that for Probably When did you think about doing this? I mean, when did this pop into your head as far as killing your mom? Shot from here, sir. Had you told anybody about it? No, sir. Um, so, with this, I mean, thinking about this, is it, were your mom just bad to you or? No, sir. Pretty good mom? Is she a pretty good mom or? She wasn't very good. Did, did you say anything to her? 
before you hit her? No, sure. Did, I mean, did you love your mother? Somewhat. When you say somewhat, I mean, you know, is there anything she's ever did to you that you um, hate her for? No, sure. Rewind the clock and go back. What would you do? No, I'm like killing Josh when I slash him right Do you still want to kill Josh? Yes. You're not going to tell me why? No, sir. It's, I'm really curious as to why. I mean, you said that he was the only confidant you had. You didn't talk to anybody else. Why would you want to get rid of the only person that you confide in and talk to? I don't know. Well, you said you don't want to tell me, so you do know. There's a difference in wanting to tell me and not knowing. You just told me you didn't want to tell me, so you do know why you want to kill your brother and you killed your mother. I would just like for you to share that with me. I probably don't share. But you will admit that you know why you did it. Yes, sir. Well, let me ask you this. Do you always talk like you're talking to us now? Yes, sir. So if I talk to someone that knows you or a teacher, they're going to say, this is your demeanor. This is how you talk. Most likely. And so you, you're always monotone and robotic when you talk. Yes, sir. Ever laugh? Sometimes. What, what makes you laugh? Various things. Various things. Give me an example. Well, I was laughing when I saw when I killed my mother. You were what? I was laughing when I killed my mother. You were laughing? Why were you laughing? I don't know. Were you laughing your ass off at that time? Yes, sir. Why were you laughing your ass off when you killed your mother? I don't know. Yes, you do. We went over this a while ago. You know why that you wanted to kill your mom. You just don't want to tell me. No, I actually don't know why I was laughing. Well, was it a sense of accomplishment? No, sir. Do you laugh when you read the horror books? No, sir. Did you laugh today when you were, or yesterday when you read Misery? No, sir. Do you see that, that? Do you see why it would be difficult for me to understand why that would be funny? Yes, sir. A lot of people said it's just how unusual for a fifteen-year-old to take a sledgehammer and be laughing his ass off and hit her in the head with it twelve times. What do you think? I don't have any information to give him. What do you do to him? How long ago was that cut? How, how long have you been in Tennessee? Since 2008 or 2007. I don't really remember the exact date. Did you tell your mom about it? Yes, sir. What did she do? She didn't believe me. In the conversation you had with your mother about that, can you tell us about that? She thought it was my imagination. Did she ever talk to him? Not that I know of. Did he, he never mentioned anything? No, sir. 
Why did he stop doing it? I stopped You stopped bathing? Yes, sir. What was necessary? I mean, what, what, what do you feel? I mean, what do you feel? I mean, yeah, if somebody was to do this to you, what should happen to them? I don't think it would really matter. Because if you give them the death sentence, they'll die, and if you give them a life sentence, they'll die in prison anyway. So in the end, it doesn't really matter. So, would you, did you think that, about the consequences when you did this? What could happen to you? Yes, sir. Can you tell me about that? No, sir. Well, uh, I'd rather not, sir. I mean, I'm talking about, do you, do you think if you get caught by the police and... Do you think that was a possibility? Yes, sir. And if you got caught by the police, what do you think would have, would have happened to you? Well, since I'm only killing one person, I shouldn't have got the life sentence. But I don't know how it works here. While Davis readily confessed to the crimes, because as well as first-degree first murder for his mother, he was also charged with the attempted first-degree murder of his brother, as well as aggravated arson. The trials that followed would not be one of guilt or innocence, but rather of degrees of guilt that Davis bludgeoned his mother to death was not in question. Rather the question was one of whether he could be held legally culpable on account of his mental health. A question of competence and the ability to know right from wrong. In true crime, we often hear pleas of diminished responsibility. But the conundrum of mental health in legal proceedings is certainly one that is not black and white and rather is many shades of grey. Who decides when sick is sick enough? Not just was Davis culpable for his mother's death he was also clearly a very sick child who needed help the trial that followed where davis was to be tried as an adult was complex with much of the focus on mental health a psychiatrist dr freeman announced to the jury that he had diagnosed Zachary with schizophrenia, adding that due to this disorder, he could not form the necessary thought process which was needed in order to commit first degree murder. Dr. Freeman said, his judgment was driven by his psychosis. 
that's what I believe prevents him from premeditating this crime. Another psychologist who had interviewed Davis numerous times since his arrest agreed with the diagnosis. I've never encountered someone so severely detached from his emotions, she told the jury, adding that she diagnosed him with schizophrenia as well as depression. Throughout the 2015 trial, Zachary frequently manically laughed at inappropriate times. On the third day of the trial, Zachary took to the stand to testify on his own behalf and said something that nobody, including his own attorney, expected to hear. I didn't do it, he exclaimed. I took the fall for my brother. I didn't do it. He killed her with a sledgehammer, Zachary told an obviously stunned courtroom. But when Zachary's own defence lawyer, Randy Lucas, reminded him that there was a handwritten confession as well as a taped confession, Zachary replied, I didn't kill her. And in addition to the confessions, Melanie's blood was spattered all over his trousers. Ultimately, the jury of seven men and five women took three hours of deliberations to find Davis guilty. And he was sentenced to life plus 20 years for the attempted murder of his brother. Presiding over the trial was Sumner County Judge uh, D. David Gay, who concluded that while Zachary probably did suffer from mental illnesses, he knew wrong from right. The thing that bothers me is that you have shown no regrets no remorse in murdering your own mother at age 15, he stated to a stone-faced Davis. A life sentence in Tennessee is 60 years, with the possibility of parole after 51 years, meaning he will be in his mid-60s before his first chance of parole. He was sent to a special needs facility in Tennessee where he's still incarcerated. But still the debate raged on as to whether Davis could be held wholly responsible for his crimes. While he is still incarcerated and his appeals to date have gone nowhere, the debate took another turn uh, after the legal proceedings had ended um, in 2015 with Dr. Phil McGraw conducting an interview with Davis where among other things Dr. Phil says when I look in your eyes I don't see evil 
I see lost. Did y'all have any, I mean, is there any problems between you and him or him and your mom or did, did they have any disagreements or, I mean, was there anything? Like, I think they would argue. Other than normal, yeah. normal parents. Not that I know of. But when you got in trouble with at school, I think it was last year, um, what happened to cause that? When you got, you know, I don't know, that was, uh, that was eighth grade. Oh, was it eighth grade? Yeah. Oh, okay. No, middle school. Yeah. What happened to Carl? I mean, what were, um, what were they doing? He was like, kind of, yeah, like a piece of uh, paper, like, you know, you roll up a thing of paper. Mm -hmm. He just kind of hitting him with that. Hitting Zach with it? Yeah, and I told the kid to stop, and he went up there and did it again. Okay. And what was Zach's take on that? I mean, was he mad that the guy was hitting him, or was he just indifferent? Did he ask you to do something about it? Or was I mean, no, he didn't ask me to do anything. Okay. Just taking up for little brother. Has he always been talking that monotone voice? Like quiet? He's kind of quiet. And you know, his voice don't go up or down, it's just like a flat monotone voice. Is that the way he normally talk? All the way? Yeah. When did he start talking that way? Uh, it's always been the way I remember it, really. Yeah. Yeah. What's that doing when you get home? Uh, I think she probably thinks a lot of We kind of, we kind of keep to ourselves, I guess. Yeah. Right, so you that don't have a big relationship? Well, no, we do. It's just like we, I don't know, like he just kind of, you know, stays to himself. He's kind of a quiet person, I guess. Did you even have any, any problems? Maybe. Uh, he's, he's always kind of like quiet, I guess, odd. Always look at people with your eyebrows. Um, you, you've been doing it all morning. Do you do that? Is that a is that a habit, or is that something that you're just starting to do? I guess. You never really noticed. No sure. Nobody's ever said anything to you about it. No sure. What Why'd you giggle? Yep, I mean, you don't know that you do that right there? No, sure. Okay. I'm not picking on you, I'm just... It looks kind of evil when you do that, I'm gonna have to say. I think you know you're doing it. And you're smiling about it, so I think you're pretty aware of what you're doing. No, I didn't realize how much you're doing that. Yeah, you did.
Whatever the truth of the level of responsibility Davis holds for this heinous killing, it doesn't change the fact that a 46-year-old woman tragically lost her life at the hands of her own child. As ever, this video is dedicated to Melanie uh, and her friends and family and I send them all nothing but love. Thank you for watching another episode of Murder of Crows. I'm Steve and I'll see you when I see you. Say that